You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah Pishemesh Israel, 5769-2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Mishpatim. The very first verse of the Parsha tells us, mishpatim asher tosim These are the laws that you should place before them, before the Jewish people. And the verses are going to go through a number of different laws, which soon we'll enumerate. Very important Rashi at the very beginning of the Parsha. Rashi says, Ve'ilahamishpatim. What does it say? And these. It doesn't just say these are the laws. It says, and these are the laws. What's it coming to say? It's coming to say that there's a continuation between the previous verses, between the previous storyline, and what the Torah is about to tell us. What's the continuation? So Rashi says, Ve'ela Maisif al Rishonim. When it says, and these, it's adding on to the previous concept. Maha Rishonim Sinai, Just like the previous concept, the first ones that we mentioned, the Ten Commandments that we mentioned, were said at Sinai. Af Elumi Sinai. So to all of the following laws also were said at Sinai. They were said at Mount Sinai. So what are these laws that were also said at Harsinai and Mount Sinai? So the Torah goes on to enumerate numerous laws. I can't say every single one of them. But just to give you a general picture of the beginning of the Parsha. So it talks about the concept of Evid Ivri and Am Ivriya, Jewish slaves. It speaks about the concept of Maka'ish, that if somebody kills somebody, he has to be killed himself. If someone kidnaps someone else, he has to be killed himself. It speaks about the concept of Mekalalav, if someone who curses his parents, he has to be killed. It speaks about the concept of Nizak and damages. If a person causes damage, if a person's ox, his possessions cause damage, if a person's bore, his pit, something that he dug, that someone fell into, causes damage. It speaks about fire causing damage that belongs to a person. It speaks about the responsibility of a guardian. Let's say somebody lent something to someone else, or someone rented something from someone else, or let's say someone asked someone else to watch something for him, either he's paying him to watch it, or he's not paying him to watch it, so there's a level of responsibility the Torah speaks about. It speaks about someone who is uh, seduced, what the responsibility is of a person who does that, and it said the, the Torah speaks about many different ideas, many of them, the common denominator of them is something which is between man and his fellow man. Now the question that bothered me when I read the when I read this Rashi, the Rashi that says that just like the previous things that the, the Torah was speaking about, the Ten Commandments, those were from Sinai. They were set at Mount Sinai. So too, all the following laws were also set at Har Sinai. Were set at Mount Sinai. The thing that bothered me was this is I mean of course the whole entire Torah was set at Sinai. It was all given over to Moshe. It was given over to Moses at Sinai. Everything that we have, all of the written law, the oral law, all the traditions that we have, the Kabbalah, the mystical traditions. So what's the special significance of these laws? Why is the Torah stressing Ve'ela? These laws were also said at Harsinai, Mount Sinai. What's the significance of that? So I'd like to share with you two different ideas that I heard from two different people, two different rabbis, and I'd like to connect them and bring out a point. Before we can answer, what's the significance of the fact that we say that these also were said at Sinai, they were also said at Sinai, we need to know what does it mean that the previous, the Ten Commandments were said at Sinai. What's the significance of Sinai? What is Sinai? What is it? What's so special about Har Sinai? So if you ask every little kid in my neighborhood, if you'll ask my son, who's five and a half years old, what was special about Har Sinai? So he'll tell you Har Sinai was special because all of the other mountains, there was Har Carmel, and there was Har Tavor, and there were all these different mountains, this one was haughtier than the next, this one was taller than the next, this one was more beautiful than the next, but Har Sinai was a little mountain, wasn't as tall as the other ones, wasn't as beautiful as the other ones, it was a very humble little mountain, 
And because it was so humble, so Hashem wanted to give the Torah on this humble mountain that didn't make a fuss like the other mountains. That's what every kid will tell you. It's a medrash, but what is the understanding of this medrash? What's the concept behind it? So I was once at a simcha, Bar Hashem, thank God I get to be at a lot of different simchas, joyous occasions, bar mitzvahs, weddings, siyumim, I play music, I get to sing. And I also get to hear some different Torah, words of Torah from different people, different occasions, different ideas. And one time I heard a very beautiful thought, speaking about the concept of Sinai and the concept of the Sneh. When Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses first had his revelation of God, God spoke to him for the first time, so Hashem revealed himself to Moshe Rabbeinu in a Sneh, in a little bush. And Rashi explains why did Hashem reveal himself in a little bush? Couldn't God have revealed himself in a tall tree? What's the idea? So Rashi tells us a pshat that Hashem wanted to show that He's along with the Jewish people, even though they're in a low, low place, a difficult place, God is still with them. And I believe it's the measure that also explains that Hashem wanted to show that where does He appear? Where does God give His revelation? He doesn't give it to the haughty person. He doesn't give it to a great tree. He doesn't give it to the person that thinks he's top of the world, king of the heap. Hashem gives it to the low person, the lowly one, to someone who doesn't think he's so great, a Moshe Rabbeinu, an Anav, an, the ultimate humble human being was Moshe Rabbeinu. That's why Hashem appeared in the Sneh. And according to this rabbi who explained this idea, he said that when Hashem spoke to Moshe, he said, this place, you're going to come back here with the Jewish people. This same place, where was this snow? Where was this little bush? It was on Har Sinai. It was on the same mountain that God was going to appear to the Jewish people to give them the Torah. This entire nation would hear the voice of God, this unbelievable revelation that would reverberate throughout history for all time. So where would that happen? That would happen in the exact same spot. Why was it called Sinai? Notice the word Sinai and the word Sne have very similar letters. In fact, there are four letters in the word Sinai, and there are three letters in the, in the word Sne. Samech Nun He is the word Sne. Sinai is Samech Yud Nun Yud. And the two main letters of both words are Samech and Nun. What is the significance of this? So this Rav explained that the reason it was called Sinai is because it was not just was there a Sne, not just was there one bush that Moshe Rabbeinu heard God speak to him through. But in fact, Sinai, this mountain was completely covered with these bushes, with these small lowly bushes. And God would specifically appear to the Jewish people in this place that was full of these lowly bushes. It wasn't a, it wasn't a significant mountain with beautiful trees and beautiful flowers. And it wasn't a tall mountain. It was a place, it was a small mountain with small bushes on it. Its whole essence, the whole concept of Sinai, of the mountain, it bespoke that it was humble, it was humility, it was loneliness. Because where does God appear? Where does God reveal Himself? He reveals Himself to a people, to a nation that doesn't think highly of themselves. It doesn't mean that they don't have self-esteem. It means they, they don't think that they're so great. They don't think they've accomplished all that they can accomplish. They don't view themselves as being the king of the world, being the greatest in the entire world. Look at me, look at my accomplishments. That's not their goal. Their goal is to be shuffled, to be lowly. Just like Har Sinai was a low mountain. It it was filled with sneh, with these bushes that were lowly bushes. That's where Hashem appears. That's where revelation occurs. Only inside of somebody who has the ability to lower himself, to make himself a kli, a vessel for God's revelation. Only there can God reveal himself. That's the concept of Sinai. That's the concept of the sneh. The Jewish people, they stood at Har Sinai. They stood there.
And God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, go tell the people it's time. And the Jewish people, what did they respond? They said, Kol asher diber Hashem nase. Whatever God says, we will do. We are not going to give our own opinion. Whatever you say, Moshe, we are going to do. We're going to listen. Anything that God says, they were totally mavat of themselves. They totally nullified themselves in front of God's will. They reached this level where they could have this revelation. How were they able to be zochah, to merit this incredible revelation? Because they realized the, the message of Sinai. The message of Sinai was that I'm going to be mavat myself. I'm going to nullify my own will in front of the will of God. That's how they were able to access this unbelievable thing, which was Sinai. They were able to hear God's voice. All of the Jewish people, the entire nation, men, women, and children, they had the highest revelation, higher than the prophets. How did they merit this unbelievable revelation? By making themselves humble, like Sinai, like the mountain, like the Sneh, like Moshe Rabbeinu. They realized that the only way to access the Torah, the only way to access revelation, is not by saying, oh, how can I fit in my perceptions of reality into what I'm learning? No. They said, whatever you say, call asher diber Hashem na'ase, whatever God says, we will do. That's the attitude. That was the attitude of Sinai. That's been the attitude of the Jewish people throughout history. That's how we've been able to last for so long. Because we're ready to hear, what does the Torah tell us? What is our goal in life? Let's see, what does the Torah say? What does our tradition say? Now the Torah comes and says, mishpatim, And these are the laws. So this is something that I heard last night from Rabbi Goldstein. He's a Rosh Hashiva in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem. A beautiful shir I went to. I'd like to bring out one of the concepts that he said. He says, what's ve'elaha mishpatim? These are also the laws. What do we talk about? As we said before, we speak about Evid Ivri and an Amavri, a, a Jewish slave, how you have to treat a slave. How do we treat a slave? We don't treat a slave like a slave. We treat him like your brother. If there's one pillow, you know who gets the pillow? Your slave gets the pillow. You have to treat him. It's a Jewish person. He's a slave. Yeah. When, you, when you're kind of, when you acquire a slave for yourself, you've acquired a master for yourself. That's what, the, that's what we learn in the Torah. You have the concept of slaves. You have the concept of the punishment for murder, for kidnapping, for cursing one's parents is death. It's very serious. Between man and man. What happens if a person, he, he himself causes damage to another person? If his ox, his car, anything that belongs to him causes damage to someone else? If, if his pit, he dug something in the ground. He was irresponsible. He let his fire run free. He has to pay. He has a responsibility. You cause damage, you steal something, you have to return it. The Torah tells us you have to be a responsible human being between man and man. If, you, if someone gives you something to watch, you borrow something and you break it, you steal it, you take it, take advantage of the person that you borrowed from or the person that left you something in your care. You have to pay for that damage. You have to take responsibility for your actions. That's what the Torah is tell, telling us. Not only were the things before, the revelation, the unbelievable, beautiful connection that the Jewish people had with God, not only is that something that, they, that was revealed at Sinai, but also all of the laws that have to do with responsibility from one man to another, from one person to his friend. You don't steal. If you cause someone else damage, you pay for it. All of this is included in something that was revealed at Sinai. What Sinai? What's the concept of Sinai? concept of Sinai is make yourself shuffle. Don't think that you're the entire world, that everything centers around you. Make yourself lowly. Because a person could think, said Rev Goldstein, a person could think, hey, 
between me and God, yeah, we've got a great relationship, I'm very holy, I'm praying, I'm going to synagogue every single day, three times a day, I'm learning Torah, I'm really doing it all. Hold on a second. You have a very nice relationship with God. But what happens when someone steps on your toe? You get upset. Hey, a good relationship with God, that's one thing. But he he stepped on my toe. He stole money from me. How do you behave with the next guy who does something that's not so great to you? How's your relationship with other people? Do you have another, do you have humility with other people? Are you ready to say, I give in when I'm not right? Are you ready to take responsibility when you cause damage to someone else's thing? You were watching it and you broke it. Are you ready to pay for it? The Torah says you have to pay for it. You have an ox. You make sure it doesn't cause damage. You ha- you dig a hole in, in the public place. How can you make a hole like that? you got to pay if someone gets hurt. Take responsibility. Be humble. Be aware of other people. These laws were also said at Sinai. These laws also have to do, if you want to have a real revelation, you want to have a real connection to God, there's two sides to the Ten Commandments. There's two parts. There's the first five and the second five. The first five have to do with our relationship with God. The second five all have to do with our relationship with our fellow man. The real test of a human being, the real test of one's character, it's not how nicely he davens, not how nicely he prays. The real test is how does he behave with his wife? How does he behave and interact with his children? Does he act with gaiva? Does he act with pride? If his son doesn't do what he said, I said to you, you better say a blessing over the food. You better learn Torah. Is that how we treat our children? If that's how we treat our children, Heaven help us. We're not, lear- we're not learning Torah properly. We're not, we don't have a real relationship with God. We can't have a real relationship with God until we have a real relationship with our fellow man. Because until we've learned how to interact and take responsibility for our actions, for what we've done, for, for everything that's around us, anything that's caused damage by something that belongs to us, until we know how to be a mensch, how to be not prideful, how to be humble in regards to other people, until we learn that lesson, we can't be humble in regards to God. The humility in regards to God is a show. It's a facade. It's fake. That's what the Torah is telling us. It's an even higher level, said Rav Goldstein. It's a higher level to have a good relationship with other people. It's much more difficult. According to how difficult something is, that's how great is the reward. You want to shine the light of God in your soul? You know how you shine the light of God in your soul the greatest way? It's when you learn how to behave like a mensch. Like a good person with humility with other people. Someone just told me a story, quick story, with Rabbi Yisrael Solanter. Rabbi Yisrael Solanter was the greatest Musser giant. He created the entire Musser movement, the idea of working on one's character traits, working on making oneself a better person, not just sufficing oneself with how I was born, this is how I was born, I was born angry, I was born full of pride, and I'm going to leave myself, this is how I'm going to die. No, he taught us that we're supposed to be greater than that. One time he saw a person who ran into shul. He ran to the synagogue. He heard that they were saying, Amen Yehei Rabba Kedusha. He heard them saying the special prayer that you can only get if you're inside of a synagogue with a quorum of ten men. He ran inside to say it. He wanted to say it. And as he was running inside, he stepped on someone's shoe and he, and he ruined the guy who just had his shoes polished. And this, this guy is he, running to do a mitzvah. On the way to do this mitzvah, he stepped on someone's shoe. After the davening, after the prayer service, so Rabbi Yisrael turns to this man and says to him, you know, it's beautiful what you did. 
It's beautiful that you're running to do that mitzvah to say how great God is. But on the way, I hate to tell you this, but you stepped on that guy's shoe. So you got to pay that he should have his shoes shined over again. And if you don't, I hate to tell you this, but all of the mitzvah that you did, that great thing that you did, you said, Kedusha, you said how great God is, it's not worth anything. It's not worth anything if you ran over someone's shoe on the way to do it until you rectify what you've done. Now, this is one of the most challenging things in life, to be humble, to, in, in the face of someone else's gaiva, if someone's being prideful with us, if a spouse is being prideful, if a child's being prideful, to not respond with, with pride. It's one of the most difficult things in the world. A beautiful thing that the Tomer, the Saber Tomer divorce says is that Hashem, can you imagine this? Hashem Himself, God Himself, there are people who are atheists. They don't believe in God, and God is providing them every second with life. Can there be any greater anivus, any greater level of humility than God's level of humility? doesn't matter. The person that he's giving life to doesn't believe in him. The person that he's giving life to is cursing out God and saying that there is no God, heaven forbid. And God is giving that person life continuously. It says the Savior, Tomer Tavar, beautifully, we can learn from God. It's one of the most difficult things to do, but it's the highest thing that we can do. It's the highest level. is to be like God in this aspect. Someone does something prideful in our face. We respond without pride. We respond with another. We respond with humility. And when we respond with humility, that's how the person will respond as well. When we act with humility in the face of pride, then the pride of the other person turns around. Unbelievable thing. I want to bless me and you and all of us. We should all be zoh, we should merit to be able to be mitnaheg, to act with humility. It's very difficult, not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with our fellow man. We should realize we can re-access, we can come back to that time of Sinai, to that place where the whole entire Jewish people was revealed to them, the light of God. We can reveal the light of God in ourselves. All we need to do is to realize that we have to have a relationship with Him, with humility, we have to have a relationship with others, with humility. Thank you so much for listening and have a very beautiful Shabbos.